Hello and welcome to the Healing Dreams Project, exploring projective dream work for your health and wholeness with hosts Billy Ortiz and Dr. Royce Fitz. I'm the producer Viviana and today we have a dreamer who called into our dreamer hotline. We have Lauren's dream. I will start with the dream that was called in. So. Here we go with Lauren's dream. Hi, this is Lauren, and I wanted to share a dream I had in late February. Um, and I chose it because it's a story that most people would be familiar with. So in the dream, I'm walking through a marketplace that's covered by a canopy. So the marketplace is shaded. I'm walking down a lane, and on each side are little stone buildings. And it looks very... Mediterranean or Greek and as I'm walking along I can't figure out where I am or why I'm there so I decide to look for something familiar and I see that through an open gate from the marketplace I can walk out into the countryside and there's a forest and there's a meadow so I think well I'll walk out there to have a better vantage point to see where I am and right before I'm able to leave the marketplace a herd of bulls rushes in and I kind of they are running around me and I'm very startled but then I become very excited because I think I'm about to watch the story of Zeus and Europa unfold. Zeus is one of these bulls. So I leap out of the way to climb up onto a gate so they won't trample me and I'm watching trying to figure out where Zeus is and all of a sudden, the young man herding the cattle walks into the marketplace, lanky, kind of mischievous, sort of playful, um, not the way you would expect Zeus to look or seem, but I immediately recognize that this is Zeus. He is the person herding the bulls. He's not actually a bull. And I'm very confused. I'm trying to process this. And he sees me and comes over and kind of stands against the gate and starts talking to me. And I think, oh my goodness, I'm playing the part of Europa. Hmm. What, how do I get out of this without messing up all of history? This is awkward. You know, I, I'm still me, but I, he doesn't recognize that. He thinks I'm Europa and this whole thing is unfolding. So anyway, I realized that he's sweet-talking Europa. He's trying to get her to go away with him. And I realized that he didn't kidnap her, and he wasn't an old, scary man taking advantage of a young girl. And then sort of because of my panic, I end the dream. Um, but I had the dream right when the war in Ukraine started, and people were talking about the future of Europe. And of course, Europa is the mother of Europe. So I thought it was a very timely dream. And I'd be curious to hear. That's good. Wow. That's fantastic. <laughs> I love it. So we'll probably need to ask you some questions so we get the feel of uh, this dream. OK. And uh, I, I'm curious uh, in, 
putting myself in, in the projective format. Um, as a dreamer, do, do I study Greek mythology or is that something familiar with me? Yeah, good question. Um, I, I have not, I'm not like a Greek scholar, but I'm familiar with the, the core classical mythology. But the funny thing is, is that is not one that I would think about very much. I mean, in fact, in my children's schooling, we're actually focusing more on like Norse mythology, not Greek. And so that kind of um, surprised me because it's not one of my favorite myths. And it wasn't something I'd even been thinking about during my waking hours. And I think that's why I was so astounded because it kind of came out of left field. <laughs> Even though it's something we're all so familiar with, we learned that myth from a very early age um, in Western culture. But. And so when I did, even though I, I say it's the dreamer, it's not really one of my favorite myths. It is what, how do I feel about it though? I mean, what, what do I think about the myth when I, when I hear it and, and hear it replayed so, so somewhat in my dream? Um, well, I think as a woman, I don't really like the abduction myths, mm -hmm. you know, or the myths when Zeus goes in and seduces someone and then she gets punished for it later, turned into a plant or whatever. Uh -huh. um, I really actually hate those. Mm -hmm. So when I got excited in the dream, like I, I see this happening I'm not excited because I'm excited about what I think is about to happen I'm excited to see the myth mm -hmm. you know violence abduction rape all of those themes that's why I don't like the story right. of Zeus and Europa right yeah. right so one of the things that I I don't I know a little bit about Greek mythology I wish I do more but I know some uh but I know that Zeus he always said though a lot of the women say i want to see you in your true form i want to see you in your true form and he goes no 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 you don't really want to see me in my true form because he knows that he will burn them up because it's like too much so that's what i found when i first heard your dream and i reminded myself of the myth and read it in a couple of different books i have i i thought you know that's interesting that that he doesn't show up as the bull. He shows up as as a young man, and that or that's my understanding as the dreamer. Mm -hmm. If if I look at it from the layer of it being a repeat of, of a replay of the myth, right? So, yeah. So it's not, and like you say, he's not some scary old man. He's this young, attractive man that that you know starts chatting me up at the gate, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was. Um, because he wasn't, he wasn't even dressed like an aristocrat. He was just a normal guy, mm -hmm. like a normal young guy. And I thought, you know, I had to kind of condense it for the message, but right. I remember thinking, is, is this a disguise or is this is what, is he really like this? Because sometimes right. when you see like classical statues or renderings of the gods or even renaissance paintings um you know they kind of have like muscles for their muscles like their muscles have muscles yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. and they're very stern and, and they're just 
they're not approachable at all mm-hmm. in many of the images. Yeah. Um, and so, so to see someone who's kind of like approachable and even trying to like um, not take by force, but kind of draw you in, that was shocking. Yeah. Very That's nice. an interesting word uh, in as I am shocked as the dreamer to uh, experience the, the version of Zeus in, in my dream. I would expect a muscular, bombastic uh, mm-hmm. kind of energy. And I experience a casual, uh, non-threatening, very approachable in my projection, a kind of a, 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 a gentle seductiveness that, that, that I'm, being, I'm being gently wooed. And yet, as the dreamer, I'm noticing this. So it's not like the, mm-hmm. the figure of Zeus in the dream is fooling me in, in my dream. It's like, I, I get his angle. I, I get this. Now, it doesn't mean I'm not attracted, but I do get it. I get something is different here. Yeah. And that speaks right. to me. In, in the, if I can keep blabbering, it's like there is this incredible drama unfolding. Yeah. And I'm directing this at some level as the dreamer. Certainly have a big influence on, on this. And, uh, and, and so I, it makes me wonder, all of those elements of who I am are emerging into, uh, in, in the dream, in the dream theater. I, I find that just so fascinating and so different than regular mythology about Zeus. Mm-hmm. If um, I... Can I explain? Oh, yeah, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Okay. So when I was trying to explain that, like, I knew I was myself, but I was like, everyone around me apparently thought I was someone else. um, I was trying to figure out how to explain this, because I don't know about you all, but different dreams have different formats for me. (laughs) like how much I am participating or observing or whether I'm fully me or whether so when I was a kid there was this show called Wishbone Mm. I don't know if any of you ever were familiar with it um but so it was this little Jack Russell Terrier and he he wasn't a speaking dog but there was a voice actor that made his like internal dialogue (laughs) and um so he had his real life where he was running around with all of these middle school kids and then he would take you into a piece of famous literature and he would assume the identity of one of the main characters and he would kind of walk you through that piece of literature so you as the viewer knew it was still wishbone but all of the actors around him thought he was like if it was Romeo and Juliet he was Romeo so they all thought he was Romeo but you're watching it you know he's wishbone um so it's kind of like that Mm -hmm. I was wishbone (laughs) (laughs) I was going into the story I know I'm still me but and and if you were the viewer you would have known I was still me but around me 
it's all real. Everyone's very immersed in this and thinks it's real and thinks I'm really this character and all of that. So that's kind of the format of that dream. Yeah, that's I, great. So if you've seen Wishbone, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I, my daughter used to have the book. That sounds confusing. Yeah, I, we used to have the books okay. and, and when she was little. Yeah, I, I remember those very well. So Viviana, you were okay. going to say something? I have a question for for the dreamer, uh, wondering if okay. how in my life this dream, how I relate it within the dream. So how how does the dream reflect my life? In that, is there a part of my life where I'm not as actually everyone thinks I am, <laughs> but I know inside internally, I'm a little bit different, but I'm playing the role of. Is there anything like that that resonates? Good question. Hmm. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I mean, on two different levels. I think when you're a parent, there are parts, <laughs> like if you had, if all of the flags that represent different parts of yourself were like a, you know, like a Tibetan prayer flag chain, and you're like, which of these flags should I take? down so I don't embarrass my kids or whatever I mean you do have to like kind of tone things down once you become a parent so that yeah. you can have that kind of social acceptability I guess I don't want to say freak flag because I don't mean it exactly but <laughs> you know you're like maybe I shouldn't fly all of my freak flags now that I'm a parent <laughs> you know um yeah yeah, I, I and you know that's not literal, but I'm trying to think of like a better term. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, also I'm a writer, which is how I met Dr. Fitz, um, and so the kind of personality I project during my daily life is different from the internal life that I have going on. Like the thoughts that I'm thinking are probably a lot different than most people that I interact with every day suspect. So it wow. could apply in two different ways. Yeah. Oh, very nice. Yeah, that's, that's a beautiful reflection. And how I project upon that is, is that I, I'm doing my best to be thoughtful about what aspect of myself is being uh, shown and expressed at a certain place and a certain time with certain people. And, I, I, and, and that for me is maturity and wisdom and not, it's certainly not perfect because I, in me, I would always have a struggle with, am I hiding something inappropriately? Am I not being authentic? And the other part is, I need to be thoughtful about how I am in the world and say as with, with my children, because they, you know, they're in their formation. And so I want to uh, notice that and love that and respect that. And, uh, and in other settings, I, I will be uh, somehow somewhat different. I find this fascinating in the dream that I've had that I'm doing this very clearly uh i'm noticing who i am 
I, I love the idea of the wishbone story uh, <laughs> that, that helps to kind of update this uh, 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 way of being in the world that I, I am all of these things all at the same time. Right. And in the dream, I am all of these aspects all at the same time. In fact, I'm even Zeus in my uh, dream because Zeus is somebody I've at least in part had a hand in creating the image that he carries in the dream. Uh, I'm the marketplace as well. Yeah. So I'm everything in the dream and I'm noticing all of these aspects of who I am. So if it were my dream, Lauren, um, I would look at, I would try to remove myself from just the myth view of it and see mm -hmm. it as an interior unfolding in my, in my own psyche. Like, what is it as just as Royce is saying, what part of me is Zeus like? What part of me is like that, that like this lanky version of him, <laughs> lanky and mischievous. I like that. And also, you know, the Europa part of myself um, and, you know, what do bulls mean to me? All of those things. I would look at the look at it strictly as, as though I'd never knew, knew what the myth was. What is this unfolding in me? Um, and it reminds me of the myth and it remind, and I feel so, you know, because I'm very moved in my version of the dream about the last bit. It's like I'm just worried that I'm going to, you know, mess up history somehow you know if, I'm, if i don't go along with this this myth the way it's supposed to go it's just i'm gonna this this is uh i want what am i going to do about this without messing up history that's what i wrote down and then i panic and i end the dream so there's some part of me that you know i can't i mean there on one level i have to say to myself well how could i ever really change the myth i mean it's it it is what it is and it's myths tend to unfold and change over centuries of course but that but there's something about that there's really no way for me to be able to change this it, it is it is what it is and it's going to um it's going to remain that way so i would look at it in the sense of what is currently going in on in my life that makes me feel as though i'm being abducted as it makes me feel as though i'm going to be whisked off by this zeus-like energy um and I say that these are not my favorite myths. I don't like these abduction myths. It makes me feel, you know, there's violation. But of course, it's a metaphor. So I have to see how does that show up in my life would be the question I would ask. Yeah. Well, I think there are a lot of life circumstances that you can't change i mean for anyone and i have life circumstances like that too and sometimes you <clears throat> um you want to find a resolution but you just know it's going to be a long time um i know that my son was born with medical issues he's disabled mm -hmm. and i know that when he um, like I said, I'm, I'm a writer and, and I like traveling and I, when I was in college, my friends always thought that I was more of a very 
unstructured artistic person. So to have a child where suddenly you become essentially a nurse and you have to be extremely structured um, and you go kind of into this very institutionalized world that, you know, I'm, I study herbalism and so on. And you go into a lot of allopathic medicine and a lot of surgery. And I remember I felt like, you know, here's my child and I love my child, but I'm getting pulled into this situation that is so enormous and I don't feel like I fit into this situation but of course I'll go there because you'll go anywhere for your child and it's not exactly a situation that has any end that I want to see because the end of the situation would mean the end of my child so that's one situation in my life that I feel like could be compared to abduction because Hmm. I didn't choose it. Well, not consciously. (laughs) Some some people would say spiritually I chose it, but consciously my personality didn't choose that. It's just what life gave to me and it's become my path. Right. I want to respond. Uh, There's a a button that I get pushed. I I do know that some people sincerely believe that we choose a path, we choose, you know, a situation, uh, and and uh, and I I do not believe that. I I believe that sometimes we certainly do invite, certainly do, when we have some way to manage it and influence, and even in our denial, we may push or nudge ourselves into a situation. But I don't believe we are born into something by choice, that we receive those kinds of uh, challenges uh, out of uh, a sense of this is my spiritual um, uh, 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 mandate that was handed to me, or that I chose it, that I chose it. I think things like this happen. And, and, and the reason I'm lifting that up is this dream feels to me like an amazing transformative dream. I am reforming history. (laughs) You know, I'm reforming my history. I loved how the dreamer was sharing about uh, how I have accepted this, uh, this stuff of life. And so, and I do feel abducted. I mean, how much more honest could I be than to say, you know, I didn't choose this. And I have this. Now, how do I create beauty and meaning and adventure and purpose in the midst of the paradox of experiencing anguish and sorrow and turmoil and anxiety? And I I feel like the dream is kind of making a movie for me Mm -hmm. about watching how I am doing that, how I've done it, how I'm doing it, and how I will do it. Um, I, I'm getting goosebumps. So for mm. me, it's, it's on target as a dream for me. I wake myself up because I'm, I, I don't remember the whole dream at the moment, but I, it's like, what are people going to say? I, I don't want to mess up history. I've got to wake up, you know? And it's like, yeah, that would be a good thing to change history. That would be amazing to right. change Europe. Uh, 
you know, and, and, and it's as big as that to me. Well, I, I, the dream is gracious. It, it, it helps use my anxiety to leave uh, the dream inconclusive because it is not like a script that I was handed. It is not like a script. I'm framing, I'm writing, I'm a writer. I write the script. <laughs> I'm influenced by everything. Yeah, I'm affected by everything. And the dream for me is existential. I create meaning and purpose as best as I can with as much intention as I can. And there's a lot I don't control. And so the dream wakes me up and says, join in this creative, unpredictable, uh, and, and loving process. Wake up into this. I am on my right path. Not the perfect path, I'm on my right path. Lauren, do you want to respond? Um, yeah, I can see that now, now that you've said all of that. Um, you know, now when you were speaking, I was even thinking about the bulls coming in, charging in. And I don't know about you ladies, but Dr. Fitz, you were raised on a farmer around. Yeah, and, and farm, please, right? please call me Royce. Let's not get too formal <laughs> <Okay>. here. Yes, <laughs> I, I um, farm and ranch life, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I mean, when bulls come stampeding, and if you're in the crowd, you get out of the way. I mean, they're not going to, you can get really hurt. And so just the power of when they were running into the marketplace and I had to immediately get out of the way because I was afraid I was just going to get trampled. Um, I think when a, an unexpected life event happens that's very difficult, it's kind of like that. Like you have to figure out how to respond very quickly or you feel like you're going to get pushed down and go under and get trampled and, you know. Yeah. Um, and so I, I do think that that could, could be um, distilled into a moment of trying to respond to a traumatic event, because yeah. certainly it is frightening when you're faced with large stampeding animals. And then um, the part at the end of the dream where I was panicking, like, I don't want to change history. We were talking about a script and part of it was that if it had been going along like the myth was supposed to, I would have known that all I have to do is just like climb onto the bull's back and he's going to take me to an island. And, you know, like yeah. it, it, I wouldn't have had to like think through, like, what do I do now? You know, but it wasn't unfolding the way I expected. It wasn't unfolding the way I'd always been told. It was totally different. And so then that put more pressure on me because. I didn't have, I didn't have the script. I was... that's, right. that's right. That that's where I yeah. get touched. I get touched again. I don't have the script. Mm -hmm. I think I know what life is supposed to look like. I know some of the mythologies. I know some of my own teachings that I was raised in, you know, faith group 
and or otherwise. I know the scripts of the government. I know this, I know that. And this dream isn't letting me have those traditional scripts and, and, uh, and facing a herd of bulls. I, I, we haven't talked about that. that. That's a powerful image. It could have been elephants. It could have been, you know, bison. <laughs> And, and in the dream, it's, it's bulls. And I was raised around cattle. I, I know of stories of where a, a docile, is that the right word? Bull attacked and killed a rancher. You know, I, I know some of those stories. It's like, how does that happen? They're supposed to be not like that. And they do. And, and so it's an unpredictable, animalistic, primitive energy. In, and this is in me, this is in right. me, you know, how do I, uh, what do I do with that energy in me? It's a whole herd. It's not just one. And, and then somehow this Zeus character becomes, a, he is the herder. And, and I'm playing with the word herd. Right. What do I hear that is helping me manage this chaotic herd of stuff, of energy. Um, I'm going to stop there for a second. Let Lauren respond. Hmm. Um. Hmm. So okay so you're playing with the word heard so it's also what i'm hearing yeah. and how am i dealing with this chaotic energy um yeah i mean there are forces in me sometimes that maybe not always forces but maybe desires that we have that sometimes scare us like yeah. like maybe the middle-aged you know trope of the guy selling everything and buying a corvette or something you know like okay. sometimes we have very powerful desires or um right. visions of things that 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 kind of i think can scare us like that it could upend everything if we acted out those things, you know? Mm. So, um, and sometimes I think, yeah, and I think even in minuscule ways, like where I was talking about um, how when my son was born, I was suddenly put into this very structured life and it's 24 7 it's not you know just eight hours a day and so even on a daily basis i'm always struggling with my desires like if i sit here for 34 more minutes doing whatever it is i'm doing right now i'll be late on my son's you know whatever medical thing his schedule and if I'm late on his schedule, there could be consequences for that. So it's like a life of 
constant discipline and you really don't get a moment off, which some people might thrive in that kind of setting. But for me, sometimes I wish I had a little bit more flexibility, but um, so it's always feeling so for me, it's not always just about the big things. Like, I wish I could just <laughs> go live in Europe for a month and, you know, or something like that. It's not always the big thing. Sometimes it's just like, oh. I wish I could have just 15 more minutes being lazy watching a TV show or something like that. You know, I mean, it's a small daily battle of discipline versus the things the, the things inside of me that sometimes it can get overwhelming. Thank you for sharing all that, Lauren. I'm so sorry that, you know, your situation is the way it is. And it, you know, it sounds like it's very draining and oh, I just, my heart goes out to you with this, what you're experiencing with your, with your son. Um, but you seem so strong and, and so, um, you know, you, so, so bullish, so bullish, you know, that's yeah. the thing. I mean, I, that's, and the thing is, I mean, really, honestly, I, I have great respect for that. I know how, how it's, I've taught, worked with a lot of people who have dealt with, you know, long-term care, um, for their children or for their parents. And I understand the, the caregiver syndrome of, you know, it's all, I have to, to sacrifice so much of my life, you know, as the, as the caretaker. Um, so thank you for sharing that. It helps me to uh, to enter the dream even more, um, and I and I'm still going along with the track that that um, Royce started. Doctor Fitz <laughs> started. <Yeah. laughs> Just text me. Sorry, uh, I love it, <laughs> Doctor Fitz. Um, anyway, Doctor Doctor Fitz um, has mentioned the, the Reverend Doctor. <laughs> oh, Fitz. that's right. Sorry, Reverend Doctor Fitz. <laughs> there's a there's as that's what I was saying in the beginning, if it were my dream to look at it in the outline of the myth, but to also take all these symbols as though they are my own, because it's my dream and my dream can show me anything it wants. And see, that's the, just the most miraculous thing about the dreams is they're limitless. They're absolutely infinite. So the fact that my dream brought me these images that remind me so much of this Greek myth right away is special. But how do I fit into that? And how, how, how does that myth speak to me? Well, first of all, you know, of course, the herd of bulls, very masculine symbol. I mean, like, how could you not? I get more masculine than that. And so there's this a tremendous masculine force within me as the dreamer, but also the fact that I'm able to, I see this young man and I think to myself, oh, that's Zeus. And the fact that I can actually witness him, that I can actually have a, you know, a conversation with this Zeus says to me that there's some part of me that has that level of strength and, a, and that level of, of sheer masculine divinity. I mean, just to put it flat out there. I mean, it, it, that means that there's some spiritual masculine within me that's stronger than I might not, I might not even understand, realize it myself, but the dreams come in the service of health and wholeness. And they always come to give me more information to help me evolve my consciousness past where I am now. And so when I'm feeling 
drained and and oh you know my life is so structured and it's a 24 7 job i have to remember there's all of this strength behind me and the and the dream world's at least voting for me tapping into that strength and i think the part at the end when i when i end the dream might be that i'm overwhelmed by it it might be like oh wow really me little old me i'm good i'm gonna be part of this huge myth i'm commu i'm communicating with zeus so it, it just seems to me like there's there's this um wonderful level of of strength that i'm i can tap into anytime if it were me and when i do feel weary to go right I heard of bulls. <laughs> it's I got to call on my herd of bulls. <laughs> Viviana had her hand up, and I want to come back to what Billy's saying in a second. But uh, Viviana, I was born with dislocated hips, and my parents had to helicopter around me to keep me happy and feed me and bathe me and I had to go to, you know, whenever I needed to go to the bathroom. I had body cast from here down to my toes. So I so much resonate with the feeling of discipline, the needing, the, the overwhelming burden. And as B Billy said, the strength of those bulls just slamming on. And I'm a, I, I identify with the creative spirit that loves the freedom, loves the travel, loves the... And as a fellow, sometimes writer myself, this dream point would, if it were my dream, it would point... I mean, this is the beginning of a huge legend, my legend. Mm -hmm. This is the beginning of a myth. This is my myth, and I'm writing it. I'm Europa. <laughs> I'm the heroine. I am going to use the thing that everything, this, this, the strength that I'm faced with, the, the, the overcoming, the bulls that are coming after me as learning possibilities and as tools for future characters in my book, in my myth, in my, in, in this wonderful epic novel that I'm that I'm drumming up that I'm learning from all these experiences and able to use them as tools for my characters in the future mm. and mm -hmm. if I may step into a little bit of astrology <laughs> okay. uh, there is Europa is an asteroid and as, as we discover more beings in the solar system we're as astrologers coming up with more myths and, and going with the myths behind them. And Europa in the, in the chart shows where we are, we easily fall for seduction. So mm -hmm. things that we're tempted to doing. And in this, and I, I found it interesting that this dream came to me during Taurus season, Taurus ruled by the bull. And that the bull represents in astrology, uh, where um, pleasure, the, the Victorians love 
you know, seeking self-care. So this dream would remind me of the importance of my self-care as well. And maybe figuring out a bit of that balance, more of that balance. Maybe I need a little more. Maybe I should hire a few more helpers so that my son's taken care of, my family's taken care of, and then I can have a little me time. I can have some writing time. Just I would also look into what Taurus energy is, which is all about languishing in self-care and in things that I love. Mm. Wow, that's beautiful. And I've got a herd of them. <laughs> Lauren, where are you with <laughs> absorbing this? What is this like now? Um, well, Viviana, uh, is it? At or ah, uh, when you say your name, uh. <laughs> Viviana or Viviana. Okay, Viviana. Um, she touched on a really important point that I struggle with, but I think all caregivers and even you know parents of non-medical children struggle with, which is self-care. Mm -hmm. um, it's a huge challenge, and when I'm in the community of moms with disabled kids, it's especially <laughs> a huge challenge for them and for me. And so <clears throat> it is an important message. Um, you know, when we go to doctor's appointments and when we're getting follow-ups with the specialist, they're not saying, so how are you holding up? <laughs> they're saying, right. how is your child progressing? What is their weight? what are the blood tests showing what you know they're they're looking at everything about your child under a microscope and it's not only just kind of like staring into an orb trying to divine what your child's future outcomes are going to be but it's also like a report card for you mm. like you're failing here and you're doing well here and and if you fail the consequences are like your child dies I mean it's like the ultimate pass or fail right and um it it's a, it's an enormous amount of pressure and and so the the drive to like invest in self-care really has it does not come from that part of being a medical parent it it comes from other medical parents kind of reminding each other like we have to take care of ourselves so we can live to do this another day you know <laughs> um and, and that is of course a huge um concern too when there's someone dependent on you long term like that because you think i have to keep myself healthy and capable for as long as possible because i don't know how independent this person is going to be in the future and and that becomes an extra worry for parents of disabled children and so yeah, yeah i do need to invest in more self-care <laughs> and unfortunately a lot of times it's not in that kind of taurus i'm having pleasure from this type of way it's more like I have to do this for maintenance. I have to do this to glue the old body back together. <laughs> you know, it's not, it's not, um, but, but that pleasure aspect, like, I think I probably do miss pleasure a lot. 
Um, I think I don't have give myself license as much to experience pleasure anymore. And I think that can happen when you become a parent. And I think especially when it's a little bit more under pressure, it's just, it's hard to find that space where you're not thinking about like, okay, I have to finish this in 45 minutes so I can go do that and take care of this. You know, it's, pleasure can be elusive. (laughs) Very well said. And And, and I, I, Oh, I felt like I kind of glossed over what Billy had talked about, but um, so so you were talking about the masculine energy, I think, right? Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. Screams masculine. And, and I, I think that's <laughs> yes. So definitely finding that strength to push you through, um, and. I had to especially, I think, find that strength. I think I've become a much more hardened person through this experience because there were a few times in hospitalization situations, like where my son was in the hospital. And you know, where you when you have a child in the hospital, you can't pull them from the situation until they've been discharged. They are out of your control pretty much. Right you're signing the papers, you're paying the bills, but you cannot protect them if there is a medical professional hurting them. Hmm. And there were some situations where medical professionals had made mistakes while my son was hospitalized and um, it had very severe consequences and almost cost him his life. And to, and that, is hard because you don't want to get yourself into a situation where you get thrown out of the hospital and you lose access to your child because you can't protect them anymore. But you also have to be strong to stand up to this staff in this very powerful hospital to tell them like, my child cannot breathe. My child is in a coma. My child is having seizures, like whatever the situation is, and to keep persisting, even if they do not believe you, even if they're treating you badly, even if they're threatening you, to keep saying, my child is not okay, and to try to save your child, even when you don't have very much power to do it. And those situations have happened with my son where doctors wouldn't listen and he was actually in one dying I don't want to be dramatic about it but it ended once they did listen and examine that's what was happening and so um, and that happened in one very prolonged hospital stay there were two complicated things that happened to him and then there was another case where I was trying to get him hospitalized because he was in a life situation life-threatening situation and I was having trouble getting the doctors to listen to me and get him transported to a hospital that could help him so I have had to learn how to be very tough and even when I am extremely sleep deprived and extremely beaten down and extremely just depleted just figure out like how 
am I going to knock down all of these walls, basically? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a situation a lot of medical parents go through. And it is the one you go through. And uh, two pieces, yeah. many pieces stand out, Lauren, but two pieces stand out about what Billy said and what Viviana was also saying that um, in my struggles to maintain and not just maintain, but to, to push through the marketplace, to get into, uh, get the attention, the correct attention, because I do know what is needed to be done. Uh, and, and the enormous strength that to, it, it's a herd of bulls and in this, in my view, in the wounded male image, which looks like it's more directional than the female image, you know, in, mytho in, in mythology and in union psychology, etc. But this is about power. This is about power. And in me, whether it looks like a male or a bull or a powerful woman, it doesn't matter. In the dream, I have the power and, and it is a powerful power. And I am beyond my stamina and I keep going. And what Billy helped me understand a bit ago about it, yeah, I, have, I have a personal beef with anxiety, beef, get it? With, <laughs> with anxiety, I don't like it. However, I heard Billy transform that into this is excitement and this is why I wake up. I have all this energy. It's not dread of anxiety. This is power that wakes me up, my energy that is beyond my conscious, my conscious knowing. Again, not to be perfect, I can't control all the events outside of me, nor the events that happen to my beloved, uh, to, to my beloveds. But I can do my best, and I am doing my best. In fact, it wells up within me and wakes, wakes, wakes me up. Yeah. Yeah. Wanted to say one more thing about the caregiver piece and the mothering piece. Um, my good friend Patty Ashley wrote a book called Living in the Shadow of the Too Good Mother Archetype. And she talks, she has a metaphor in there about when we reach that place of sheer exhaustion as a parent, um, like when we're taking a, a flight and, and the they talk about the, the, um, the air, uh, masks will will drop from the ceiling and they always say put the oxygen oxygen mask on you before you put it on your child because that's exactly what we tend to do as a parent like oh my god you know we'll, we we want to make sure our, our our child's okay but but i but i as the parent i have to have the oxygen mask first um so she uses that as as the the part of, of the book explaining about how important it is for self-care in order to continue at, with our parenting and, and some and our very challenging situations, um, which it sounds like like you're in. And it's it's like, so I would keep that metaphor in mind. I gotta this is the time for me right now to put the oxygen mask on. Yeah. It, in 
in my beautiful region where I live, speaking about projection, where I'm, I'm in an isolated area, do I have options that actually exist that could help me uh, about my self-care more than I'm able to tap into or that I haven't uh, explored? And, and this is Royce asking as though I'm Lauren, like, do I as Lauren right. have those, have those? Uh... Right. This is Royce asking as the dreamer, do I have those options where I live? Good question. Um, do you want me to yeah. answer it? Well, yeah, well, it's, it's your choice, but you know, it's that is the question. Or just ponder it. Uh, okay, either one. I think I think a general issue, mm -hmm. a general issue is that there are there are resources, certainly, um, and you, and I guess I keep saying uh, um, talking about the other other parents I've met or the community of parents I've met. I I keep speaking in that way because we tend to be our own greatest support yes and so um and and so i don't feel that i'm in this alone i know other people are in similar situations and um and i can't really so when i talk about what's happened to me i i always end up feeling connected to all of their experiences too because some of them have helped me more than anyone else could because they've walked in such a similar path um, and they've had some of the greatest advice, but so th there are more resources today than there would have been 30, 40, 50 years ago for a parent in my situation. Um, but society as a whole still is trying to figure out how to integrate disabled people. Um, and that includes integration of their families too. Mm. So right now we see it more as like special services and stuff. It's more, it's still kind of seen as like a side thing in our society, in our culture. Um, not really like, let's see how we can pull them all in as mm. fully as possible. We're still working on that as a society. Well, so as far as resources, there are more resources to help me, but the system still has not figured out how to offer resources in a way that would fully help, I guess. Yeah. Well, it's when, compli complicated. When Viviana asked that question about, you know, my own self-care, the dreamer's self-care, are there opportunities that I, that you as the dreamer could take that really could help alleviate some of the uh, strain that uh, is absolutely overwhelming sometimes. Uh, are, are those resources, are those friends, are those programs available? So the creative, other creative energies as the dreamer that I have, like my writing, like my other things, that I can give 15 minutes more sometimes, or half, a, half an hour more another time. Do those things exist where you live? To a certain extent. Or is it just a frustrating journey that there, you know, because some places don't have those kinds of 
opportunities. And so self-care is so, it's even more hard. And, and, and that's to ponder for a second, because I want to come back to this other piece that Billy brings up often is the dreamer that the dream doesn't come to frustrate me. It doesn't come to just kind of uh, say, well, you know, this is the way it is, you know, so what? There are, the dream comes for our health, for our community and for our individual health, healing, wholeness. Uh, and, 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 uh, and so what might the dream be encouraging me to look at that is within my grasp? And it's so close to my grasp that I wake up. It's exciting. I wake up. Yeah. And because it exists. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I mean, certainly I could get away probably for an afternoon of therapy or something, those things, but I think that the overwhelming pressure is often that you don't, um, you, you want to feel integrated back into society, but for you to be, we live in a society where it's so much about be tough, be productive, right. perform up to this certain standard that when you say, actually, I need more care and I need more help. Mm -hmm. um, society is like, quit being a whiner, quit being demanding, quit expecting special treatments, um, just figure out your problems. And when I'm like, no, you don't understand because like, we're human beings and we're part of a culture and a society. Our situation has pushed us to the edge of society and we're not really fully included anymore. And we want to be included, but in order for that to happen, you guys have to help bring us in. You know, you keep, you don't realize it because we're invisible, but you keep excluding us. Like during the pandemic, when people kept saying, well, the people who are especially vulnerable, they can just stay home. You know, they shouldn't force us all to do things to protect them. And I'm not saying what people should or shouldn't do to protect other people, but just the fact that they had that attitude, it's like, okay, you say that about my child. So now he can't have friends or he can't have mm -hmm. play dates because he's vulnerable. And that means his sister also can't have play dates and can't go to extracurricular things because she can't bring it back to him. And as his caregiver, caregiver, I also have to withdraw from society. Like you have basically just thrown our whole family out because you say discarded. we yep. aren't worth yes. including. Yeah, you've discarded us mm -hmm. because you've said that we aren't worth including and we aren't worth consideration. And so um, I think since 2020, like this has always been in our society. We used to, not so long ago, we were institutionalizing disabled people. Mm -hmm. And so it is a learning process and it's not something brand new. I mean, we know hunter-gatherer societies would take care of disabled people. Um, 
there were mummies discovered in Florida thousands of years old. One of them was a teenager with spina bifida. They were just keeping him alive with herbs and basic care, and he had a long life. Um, we have it in us to take care of disabled people. It's not brand new. It's just the way our society is now, making people yes. understand why that is valuable and why it's important and that saying and the guilt you feel like asking for special accommodations and stuff um and then having people ignore it because they're like why are you being a whiner and then you feel yes. invalidated like i remember asking for a handicapped parking space in front of a pediatrician's clinic and when i told the pediatrician that i had asked the, the city if they would do this and he said, well, you just walk down to the end of the street and there's a wheelchair ramp there. But we're in a place that gets a lot of snow. So walking on an icy street yeah. with your child's yeah. wheelchair in the middle of winter when it's zero degrees so, to go around and get back up. Yeah. So to hear that from your child's own pediatrician, I mean, just the invalidation yes, and the dis being dismissed constantly, and, it happens constantly. And that is part of the, the burden of and, not having that holistic self-care, I guess. And, and so the waking dream affects, uh, it, it, it becomes this tormenting dream. The waking self experiences the torment. And, and yet the dream is also helping me in my dream to ha uh, navigate myself in a way that's more holing, more holistic and more healing. And I, I think it, because the waking world really does frustrate me, the dream is not here to frustrate me. And, and that's what I want to kind of bring us back to is to well, see, yes. see what that is there. No, that I, I think you're pointing out. And that's why the dream has such creative power is that it's opposite in my dream of the way I feel sometimes. In, in the waking world. So it's trying to invite me to consider that I do have this energy and beauty and power uh, to affect some of the goodness and change that I'm yearning for. I, I saw Viviana's hand a second ago. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's pulling back into the, diving back into the dream. Yeah. What really <laughs> sticks out for me is this this mischievous, mischievous, playful guy who is not the way I expect Zeus. And when I see it printed here, Zeus, Z, Z us, see us, maybe yes, if you stretch yeah. it a little bit, <laughs> you don't expect mm. Zeus uh, or the Zeus inside of me to be this way. Mm. Yet the dream is calling me to to magnify this mischievous and playful side of me it's it's magnifying it so that i can look at it so i can what mischievous and playful operative word inside of me can i bring out more or inside my son who i maybe zeus is my son she, mm. sharing and teaching me strength teaching me the ends of um you know discipline and structure and all of, I mean, what a gift that my son is bringing to me by bringing this magnifying glass of structure, of discipline, of, you know, uh, of strength. I, uh, strength is the, the most 
beautiful word, I guess I would I would put onto there. And Zeus is the one this this mischievous, playful being is not what I expected Zeus to look like. And he's the one hurting the bulls. He's not one of the bulls. He's hurting them. So he's controlling them. He has the power over them. He, me, I am hurting all these mm. strengths. I am bringing in the power within and, and swooping it into me, breathing it and then manifesting it and using it in a playful way. That's the main thing that I would want to dive into if that resonates at all. Nicely said. Yeah. I'll have to think about that for a while. That's interesting. Well, one. It's almost like making a playful challenge out of your. Out of everything, I think, is what it sounds like to me. I can just say from my life, that's what I've done. I mean, most people say, how, how do you do all that you do? Well, I grew up in a body cast from age zero to 11. Life now is wow. easy. Yeah. And every day I have to do yeah. my exercises before coming, jumping on the call. I was doing my physical therapy and I have my dis things that keep me structured, that keep me, you know, I, I have all these things that I have to do. But at the end of the day, I learn from the structures. I've learned from the discipline and I, it's made me hugely strong. I'm so, so much stronger for sure than most people. I can tell you that. <laughs> so that's why I, this dream and the situation really speaks to me as, as a opportunity to dig into it, to, to, to keep my creativity and push it, put it back into my life and my freedoms, put that back in somehow. It's, it's, it creatively, I know I would be able to, to, to manifest what my, my soul is yearning and looking inside of this dream to see the, those ways that my soul is yearning to do this. Wow. I like that. So one, one thing about um, the abduction myths and how Zeus just, you know, finds a goddess, he falls in love with them and she, he whisks her off wherever, um, that has a lot, the metaphor has a lot to do with decisive action. And that's one of the most positive things about when we get our really in touch with our inner masculine is decisive action. And that means, you know, as, as you were describing in the hospital, I had to talk to these doctors and make it really clear that they made a dis they made a mistake. You know, that is that Zeus energy inside going, this is not good. I could fulminate you any minute. <laughs> you know, there's this and there's a there's a, a herd of bulls right behind me, you know. So there so there's that feeling of like appropriate authority and, and act, appropriate decisive action. So I think in my version of the myths of of the abductions, even with Persephone, Persephone is abducted by Hades, and it's like that's when everything begins. I mean, nothing, nothing really starts. She doesn't become Queen Persephone until Hades takes her, and and most of the goddesses that that uh, Zeus abducts, he ends up 
having children with them. He impregnates them. So there's so there's a whole other creative level to that. If it, that decisive action leads to creativity, leads to something new being born. That's true. And as far as just from a mythological standpoint, like that's kind of the character of Western society, right? Taking decisive actions <laughs> to create all of these huge things. I mean, it's good and bad. Well, but, sure. Um, yeah. But one thing that I don't think I emphasized when I was talking about the dream, but when I think about it, in abduction myths, like the woman has no choice. She just kind of gets thrown into it. In my dream, the woman, Europa had a choice because Zeus wasn't going to abduct her. He was trying to talk her into going right. with him. Mm -hmm. And and that's the point where I panicked because I was like, I don't know what the right choice is. I'm getting out of here. Europa uh -huh. has to make this choice, not me. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, and then it goes from being kind of a patriarchal story to mm -hmm. a story where the, the feminine part has a lot more yes. power. And, and when I was reading a little bit about the myth, um, they said in earlier versions, it might've been Poseidon, not Zeus. Mm. Um, and they also said Europa, she might have been based on a, on a real woman who lived um, and married an aristocrat and moved to Crete. So it's kind of like Zeus in history, he gets switched out a right. couple of times with different figures. Europa remains the same and she might have even been real mm -hmm. and it's a whole continent of people that carries yes. her name, not Zeus's name, but she gets overshadowed kind of in the mythology, but in the dream, it kind of pushed her into a place where she had more power. Right. And that was, yeah. And that is my dream. I have more power than I, I'm creating a new mythology. I'm creating a new way to be. I'm reforming, redefining who I am. And it excites me so much. I wake mm. up, up. Yeah. You know, that kind of, you know, bone chilling, uh, wonderful creative energy. Lauren, how are you doing with all of this? I, you know, this is an amazing dream and we're coming to some place of uh, how, what is the word again? Arbitrary Billy? close. Arbitrary close, because we could go for yes. years. We could go for years with this. No. Yeah. And, and they like to unfold like that. Yeah. Yeah. So as I, as we arbitrarily move toward closing, where are you? with what you've heard and what resonates and what doesn't and, and you know what do you feel like you're going to leave with well i mean this has been awesome you guys have really coaxed a lot out of me so you were kind of playing the role of zeus maybe 
Yeah. <laughs> right. And we're playing kind of the talk. role of self-care. You know, we're offering care yes. in this. So yeah, preach it, sister. <laughs> so I've definitely, I've definitely um, pulled more from the dream than I would have if I would have just kind of ruminated on it myself. Um, and yeah, I need, I need to explore those. I, it kind of turned out to be a dream more about forbidden things than I thought, you know, like, um, cause I don't know if you know this, but people don't really like a bossy woman, <laughs> like when you go into a hospital or something like they oh. don't. So to the to timbers kind of... shake, the timbers shake when a bossy woman comes in <laughs> as they should shake. <laughs> it's good it's it goes better if you're kind of just more agreeable you don't want to be too bullish but to kind of like revisit that idea of like the bullish power and um and like the from the astro astrology standpoint like self-care maybe even taking pleasure in some things um and you know just confronting power in myself too um yeah i think i think i push those back too often and i need to confront that a bit more i mean it's easy to push that back when there each day has so many demands but i think mm -hmm. that if if i'm dreaming about those themes it's time to stop kind of pushing back um yeah good point uh, well thank you lauren for sharing this amazing dream i just it, it it'll stick with me a long time because i mean i, I rarely have seen a, a, a dream that that unfolds very much like that like a myth so i i love it so thank you for for sharing thank you for reaching out um, thank really. you for inviting me well, I'm going to move us back into gallery view and we're going to do a little bit of a closing okay. here. So Billy, where, if someone wants to get in touch with you, where might one do that? My, my website is wakeuptoyourdreams.com and I run a couple of groups a, a, a month, one that meets in the evenings and one that meets in the afternoons. I also do private sessions and I also help people learn how to be, become Dreamworkers. So I have a training program as well. So wake up to your dreams.com. Wonderful. And Royce, tell us about your TikTok channel. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I want to say first, again, thank you, Lauren, for your generosity and your courage and your, your bullishness on, uh, on life. Bullishness. In many, yeah, right. You know, in, in, so many ways how you advocate for for beauty and earth and for little living souls like you do so yeah. thank you so much for being brave enough to share part of your journey here uh, people who are listening can find me at roycefitsfitts.com and i'm a spiritual counselor and dream worker and for me those are a natural weave of how it is in our very challenging beautiful difficult world how do we create meaning and beauty 
and purpose in the midst of uh, some of the stuff that Lauren has shared with the anguishes of life that uh, command our attention and cause us to willingly sacrifice for the mm. sake of others. Well, and I am Viviana, and I can be reached at viviana.org, V-I-V-I-A-N-A dot O-R-G. I'm a musician who has stumbled onto Billy and Royce, and I am in love with the language of metaphors. May that be poetry, mythology, astrology, tarot, I dive into all of it. All the arts, all the healing arts are also, uh, I'm a very attracted to. And of course, music, which is another language in itself. So this is why I, I roped uh, Billy and Royce and we <laughs> I hold the title of producer. And it is such a pleasure to have people like Lauren who have called into our dream hotline and have it ha shared a very intimate dream with us for us to all sort of take a look at. I mean, this is it gives us all such pleasure, and I hope that it's been also interesting for our listeners. And listener, if you have a dream, if you would like to call our dreamer hotline, I will repeat the number twice. The number is seven two zero. Five seven three nine one nine five. One more time, seven two zero five seven three nine one nine five. This has been the Healing Dreams Project podcast, and if you are listening to us on iHeartRadio, please give us a like. If you're listening to us on Pandora, we'd love to hear uh, some some responses from you we are also on instagram on tiktok on youtube and if there's a place that we are not and you want us to hear <laughs> just let us know anyway lauren once again thank you so much it's been thank such you. a pleasure to get to know you i very much resonated with your your dream your myth and your waking life dream and myth as well so thank you for sharing thank you thank you so listeners Happy dreaming. <laughs>